that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Hello, and welcome to the Silver Screens Podcast. My name is Charles. Hi, I'm Chucky. So glad you could make it. The hosts are expecting you. Come play with us. Right this way to the dungeon. Please, watch your step and try not to trip over the corpses. I see dead people. You'll be joining the terrifying trio for tonight's talk. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Make yourselves comfortable on the couch right over there, and they'll be with you shortly. Oh, and one last thing. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. It's showtime. Scream Team, how you guys doing? Welcome to another episode of the Silver Screams Podcast, a podcast where three horror movie buffs watch scary movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Derek Schneider, and I am pleased, as always, to be joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Max Fosberg. Malo, you saw something? I can show you more. And Kristen Marlowe. I don't want to see anything you're going to show me, Max. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How are we doing today, you guys? I'm doing good. Excellent. Got some cold brown here. Your mom's cold brown. <laughs> <laughs> awesome to hear, as always. Uh, so before we get going today, I want to kick this episode off by giving a huge congratulations to our friend Anthony DeLuzac on the triumphant return of Friday Night Frights Woo-hoo! to the Blue Mouse Theater here in Tacoma. A big thank you to him and the theater for bringing back such a fun experience for horror nerds like us. I went with Max and the ETI guys last week to see Dreamscape, and it was so much fun to be in that crowd around our people seeing a movie I hadn't seen before. And if you didn't get a chance to go last week, make sure you catch the next one, August 20th. It was great to meet some of you who might be new listeners since we didn't stop talking about the show while waiting in line. For those new to the Scream team and those who have been here since the early episodes, we're excited to kick off the journey to the next big milestone with this week's episode covering a movie that Max and I saw together at the great local theater, The Grand, as part of their Weird Elephant series. This week, we watched The Void. So without getting into too much detail, since we haven't given our spoiler warning yet, Max, what was it like revisiting this film since the first viewing way back when? Uh, It was interesting because I remember not liking this when we saw it in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, this second rewatch and revisiting it, I can't believe I, I don't know why I didn't like it the first time. I'm shocked you're saying that because I felt like you for sure were going to like it. Yeah, I, I and I really, I mean, really all the boxes. <laughs> I really dug it this time, and I don't know what was going on in 2016. I was younger, dumber, and you know, just yeah. out of my mind. Apparently, <laughs> Kristen, what about you? First impressions? Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It wasn't terrible, you know. Okay. I that's, didn't hate it. That's good. <laughs> I already wow. feel a little bit better about this one than we did <laughs> the gin. I didn't hate so. it. <laughs> it was better than the gin. Uh, this would be a great double feature with the gin. No. Are you just saying that because we saw them both at the Weird Elephant? Yes. Okay. <laughs> N- no. 
Well, this is going to be a fun one to, to discuss, so let's not linger any longer in the lobby and head deeper into this desolate hospital. But before we do, know that there will be horrific mutations, abominations, and worst of all, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen this film yet, go check it out streaming on Tubi, Crackle, Plex, and AMC Plus at this time, and then come back to hear us talk about it. Now, before we kick it over to Max to tell us about the folks behind this Lovecraftian nightmare, we're going to take a quick break to hear a few quick messages from the Chatter Network. Have you ever experienced anything difficult and not felt like you had an outlet? I'm Haley Crow, the host of Facilitating Voices, an outlet podcast, where we discuss complex topics surrounding mental health, social justice issues, and interview people with real and raw experiences and exposures to trauma. Tune in to learn, grow, and realize you're not alone. New episodes released weekly on the Chatter Network. Scream Team, how you guys doing? We're going to get right back to the episode, but I wanted to jump in real quick to let you know about some exciting news. Our friends over at Camp Crystal Latte Coffee just dropped their newest roast, Michael's Mocha Java, and we want to help you save some money when trying it out. If you head over to CampCrystalLatte.com right now and fill your cart with Michael's Mocha Java or any of the other awesome roasts like the Woodsboro Blend or Texas Jitter Juice, enter the code SCREAM at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. If there's anything I like more than watching horror movies, it's helping my friends save money on delicious coffee. Once again, use the code SCREAM to save 10% on some scary good coffee at CampCrystalLatte.com. All right, Max. Let's take it away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Void came out in 2016. It's an hour and 30 minutes long. It is not rated. Kind of interesting. Weird. Um, No rating on this movie. Are you sure? Yeah, that's what it's, that's. I'm looking at Derek because Derek knows things. That, no, no, I mean, Derek? I'm I'm just as shocked what as you heck? are. That's what the internet is telling me. What in the butt? Uh, it's directed and written by uh, Jeremy Galipsy and Stephen Kostansky. Um, it stars kind of interesting, some interesting faces that you're going to recognize. Yeah, there's throughout. like a dude from Letterkenny in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron Aaron Pool uh, as Daniel Carter. Uh, Kenneth Welsh as Dr. Richard Powell, Daniel Fathers as the father, uh, Kathleen Monroe as Al- Allison Frazier, Ellen Wan, who is from um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World nice as child. Kim. Yep. Um, yeah, and some other great character actors. Uh, Aaron Poole was actually in one of the films that we covered earlier in this podcast. He was uh, the Empty Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he shows up in the Empty Man as the Empty Man. Weird. Isn't that crazy? Uh, U.S. gross, uh, U.S. and Canada opening weekend, uh, fifty thousand dollars and fifty thousand twenty six dollars. Wow! What was the uh, what was the budget on this film? Uh, eighty six, eighty six thousand dollars. Eighty six thousand, yeah. Which is like huh. amazing, to be honest. When you get well, into that's some very, of that practical yeah. effects, but yeah, with some of the some of the effects they had in this film, I would have expected higher. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's a great little indie movie. Of course, it didn't make as as much money uh, being a smaller indie. Mm-hmm. And that was because The Void is a crowdfunded project. Mm. Um, okay. That's cool. So, yeah, I think, I don't know if it was Kickstarter or hardly anything uh, in the film is CG, as we've kind of touched on. Uh, lots and lots and lots of practical effects. Uh, the hospital that it is set in is actually a high school uh, a former high school. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and that uh, that kind of wraps up the uh, the behind the scenes. Right on. 
So our film opens at a rural home as two people scramble outside pursued by two armed men. One of the fleeing is shot and wounded while the other frantically runs off into the night. The two men, one older, the other younger, approach the wounded woman and hands a can- and hand a canister of gasoline to the other. After the woman is doused, one of the men drops a lit cigarette on her, burning her to death. As they get in their car to presumably pursue the other victim, in the distance a figure watches the grisly scene, dressed from head to toe in a white robe with only a black triangle at the center of the face mask. Elsewhere, police officer Daniel Carter sits in his squad car on a country road, and after checking in with dispatch, Daniel spots someone crawl out of the tree line on their hands and knees. Daniel approaches, thinking it to be an intoxicated teenager, but hurriedly whisks him away in the backseat of his car when he sees that the man is delirious and covered in blood. I really wanted that to be, like, scarier, though. I'm not going to lie. I wanted his face to be, like, mutated or some shit. I was a little disappointed because it set you up that it was going to be scary, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think it's just sort of like a an interaction that he wasn't expecting to have. Like, it's clear he's clearly from some, you know, some small town where nothing really happens. I don't and need you like to explain it to me, Derek. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to keep going then here. So Daniel contacts dispatch and asks which hospital is closest to his current location. The dispatcher tells him that the closest one may not be prepared to deal with this situation as they're in the process of closing down after a fire ravaged an entire section of the building. With the next closest hospital still 20 minutes away and unsure of the extent of the man's injuries, Daniel reluctantly speeds towards his only option. When Daniel brings the man through the front door, the nurse at the front desk scrambles for help and calls Dr. Richard Powell and another nurse, who takes the man away to be examined. Daniel takes a moment during the silence to say hello to teenage Maggie and her grandfather Ben, who have come in that night for a checkup on Maggie's far-along pregnancy. After the doctor discovers heroin needle marks on the man's arm, Daniel realizes he has the junkie's blood on his uniform and goes to clean it off. Being brought a cup of coffee by the nurse at the front desk, who is revealed to be Allison, Daniel's estranged wife. When Allison leaves, Dr. Powell approaches him and tells Daniel to take it easy on Allison and that he understands all too well what it's like to lose a child. In another part of the hospital, nursing intern Kim sits in the room of patient Cliff, annoying him with her boredom and frustration at having been assigned to a hospital that's understaffed and in the process of moving out. When Cliff tells Kim he's going to sleep, she leaves the room. A couple of cool little things that I saw on here, like, uh, one of the one of them was a little nod to the Night of the Living Dead uh, playing on the TV there. Yeah, uh, public domain mm-hmm. can be in your movie. Yep. <laughs> uh, the other thing I loved was the little bit of foreshadowing line that uh, Kim dropped. Uh, just seems innocuous at the time, but as the events unfold, we'll see how you know for, how telling it actually was. She goes, statistically, you're more likely to die in a hospital than anywhere else. <laughs> shortly thereafter as daniel roams the halls of the hospital he sees beverly standing over cliff and something doesn't seem right as he approaches closer he sees that beverly has shoved a pair of scissors into the boy's skull through his eye which he slow which she slowly pulls back out that's right we're like at four or five movies in a row now three, for max and eye gouging three movies in a row with eye stuff wait max, which one we gotta stop up? it was definitely hostile it was hostile well then the we beyond had, the beyond and, and uh Session well, nine. We had one in between hostel, though. We had the gin in between hostel. And session nine. That's what I'm saying. There are a lot. Well, there's a lot, like, recently. Like, this is the third one That's in a row, That's what I'm though. saying. Like, four out of the last five. Oh, my God. Four, four out of five, yeah. How are you holding up there, buddy? Listen, it's becoming... We're on, we're on quite a run here. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely didn't remember this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. at least... Well, actually, with all of these movies, I've never... Yeah, these are all kind of new new watches for me. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a lot of eye covering. And, uh, you know, 
<laughs> Even though I'm sitting there in my house by myself going, hey, let me know when I can watch again <laughs> to nobody. The ghost of the ghost of Dick Bass is like, it's time <laughs> to open your eyes, Max. So Daniel draws his sidearm and confronts Beverly, who slowly turns around to reveal that she has nearly removed her entire face. As Daniel demands that Beverly put the scissors down, she begins to further slice away at the remaining skin and tells him that it's not her real face. When Beverly begins to approach him, Daniel shoots and kills her. As Allison, Kim, and Dr. Powell rush to investigate, an overwhelmed Daniel stumbles into the nearest bathroom, throws up, and then passes out. I just want to say I, too, would have shot her, but I wouldn't have shot her in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, you know, she's just crazy. Shoot her in, like, the leg or something so she falls over, but it seemed unnecessary. While unconscious, Daniel has visions of a dark and desolate landscape with swirling clouds above a sinister-looking nebula somewhere in space, in a black triangular mass. When he comes to, Daniel is fervent about calling in the incident, despite Allison and Dr. Powell's pleas for him to take it easy. They also inform him that while he was passed out, a state trooper had arrived at the hospital, and Daniel finds the trooper named Mitchell in the lobby. He asks him how he arrived so quickly, and Mitchell explains to him that he's investigating a mass murder that happened at a house not far away, and he's there for the man that Daniel had brought in earlier that night. Aware of what happened with Beverly, Mitchell then berates Daniel for the situation he can't seem to get control of and even insults Daniel by referencing how great of a police officer his father was and suggests that he would have handled things better. Daniel, still insistent about calling in the incident with Beverly to dispatch, leaves the hospital for his car parked just outside. When he's unable to reach anyone, Daniel notices a figure wearing all white except a black triangle over the face. When he tries to speak to and approach the figure, a loud foghorn is heard in the distance and and the lights of the hospital flicker. The mysterious man attacks Daniel and manages to puncture his chest with a knife before being tossed off. Daniel flees back into the hospital and once again passes out, having similar visions as before, as Allison, Kim, and Dr. Powell see to his bleeding wound. Shortly after, Daniel awakens a scream is heard from the junkie's room and Mitchell and Daniel rush to investigate. Inside, a grotesque, twisted, and tentacled Beverly attempts to attack the junkie before the two police officers manage to rescue him and lock the creature inside. This is our first look at the the great, great practical effects in this film. Yeah. This thing is gnarly. Yeah. I mean, so much like You can't even really see it yet either. Yeah. It's like you get get a couple good glimpses of it, but yeah, this isn't even the best look that we get of it. It's going to pop up again here in a couple scenes. At this point in the movie, I'm having like a lot of like um stranger things mm-hmm. going on with the you know the police officer and the setting and i don't know now this creature it's very like you, you know. know one of the things i love about these uh these kind of films like cosmic horror and lovecraftian films mm-hmm. is that you always like there's never like a defined look of these creatures because they can just be so twisted and mangled and like just completely like off the wall absolutely like, for sure, for sure. So frightened by the creature and seeing that the hospital has become surrounded by figures dressed like the one whom attacked Daniel, the group panics. Suddenly, the two men from the start of the film burst into the hospital and at gunpoint demand that the junkie be handed over to them. As Daniel and Mitchell try and de-escalate the situation, the junkie grabs Maggie and holds a scalpel to her throat. As the tensions rise, Dr. Powell slowly approaches him and tries to get him to release Maggie, but is stabbed in the neck and falls to the floor dead. The Beverly creature suddenly emerges through another doorway and takes Mitchell away. Taking advantage of the confusion, Ben knocks the junkie unconscious and saves Maggie. This is a really tense standoff here, like between the parties, like, you know, the junkie holding Maggie hostage. Yeah, the two dudes. The two dudes trying to get him and then, and then the cop. 
yeah, and then Daniel in the middle of it trying to get, you know, get things under control. Too shame. But even with all that going on, you think that they would notice the horrendous abomination breaking through the doors just behind them. <laughs> no, no, they're too busy. But no. he doesn't. And Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell gets grabbed and classic horror trope. Yeah. Never, never realizing the danger until it's too late. So Daniel follows after the creature with a fire axe and turns a corner to see it holding a barely alive Mitchell, forcing its tentacles down his throat and into his eye sockets. Again with the eyes. More eye stuff for Max there. The two strange men appear and begin attacking the creature, killing it and chopping off Mitchell's head in the process. Yeah, this thing is like gnarly. Yeah, so it's like a giant Beverly creature is bugged up. Of like flesh and tentacles. And then sort of at the front, kind of like a hood ornament. Yeah. Is Beverly's body with like you know a this just mangled face? face yeah. Thing. yeah, it's weird. So badass. It's weird. Yeah, but it's cool because it's not it's not CGI, dude. It's like some kind of fucked up animatronic creepy bullshit. It's a and lot I love of KY it. jelly. It's so good. <laughs> That's like an ultimate so like dream of mine is to like shoot like be you know working on a film or something where we get to have some kind of practical effect creature that the actors can actually like see and interact with and not you know not just a green screen or somebody holding a tennis ball on a stick saying here's where the head's at i'll make you one if you want okay it's my dream to make one all right let's our let's, dreams combined well, let's combine our dreams <laughs> Can become some, i'm serious though it is literally my dream to make one for real all right unsure of what may happen the group takes mitchell's body straps it to a gurney and sets it on fire before rolling it outside to the parking lot as the group tries to make sense of what's happening, Daniel manages to come to an uneasy alliance with the two strange men, the older one named Vincent and the younger one, Simon. Simon, we learn, cannot speak due to an injury. And just at this moment, Maggie begins to experience pain and fearing her and her baby's life. Allison insists on going to the medicine storage room to gather things to help the teenager. Daniel formulates a plan to retrieve his shotgun and ammunition from his squad car with Vincent and Simon and tells Allison to wait until he returns before going deeper into the hospital. Now, while they finalize the details of their plan, we're going to take a quick break to hear from another awesome show you can find right here on the Chatter Network. Welcome to Redux, a podcast about music by a music lover for music lovers. I'm Van Berryman, math teacher by trade, podcaster by hobby, former radio host and production coordinator and avid music lover. Step into Redux for deep looks into album reviews with a concise but thorough comparison of an artist's first album to their most recent and their journey to get there. Plus, top 10 lists, best ofs, and other musical inputs to get you through the day. If you like what you hear, drop a follow on Instagram at Redux Podcast and feel free to let me know there what reviews you want to hear. Come along on this journey with me, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Welcome back, Scream Team. So Daniel and the two others head outside to find that the car has been rolled further away from the entrance, but there are no mysterious figures to be seen anywhere. They run to the car, and while Vincent keeps a lookout, Simon opens the trunk and retrieves ammo and flares while Daniel struggles to unlock the holster for his shotgun. When Vincent notices a figure in the distance, Daniel switches on his lights to reveal the tree line where many of these figures stand silently, brandishing knives. When one suddenly appears behind Simon and prepares to attack him, Daniel releases the shotgun and kills the assailant before all three of them sprint back to the hospital. I'm keeping the gun. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that. That was such a favorite line. Yeah, it was not cheesy. Now, when they return, they find that Allison has chosen not to wait and has ventured out to the medicine storage room against Daniel's wishes for her not to go alone. As Allison gathers up what she needs, someone appears to someone appearing to be Dr. Powell stands behind her. 
Back at the entrance, Daniel notices that Dr. Powell's body is missing as he and the two men take, make their way to the storage room to find Allison. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> While looking for her and finding nothing but the bag with, with, within which she was collecting what she needed, the three come across Dr. Powell's office and investigate. As Vincent looks through a tin box filled with Polaroids of naked women, the mysterious figures, and dead bodies, Dr. Powell speaks to Daniel on the phone, taunting him before hanging up. That's at least one point. You know Check what I'm mark for Marlo. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was like hard to see, but I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> one point indeed. The boobdar went off. Keeping it. <laughs> Listen, my boobdar is way better than Max's wigdar any day. Yeah. They can go head to head. No one in this movie is wearing a wig. Are I'm, you sure of that? I feel like yes. some. I feel like that Beverly Monster had a wig on. I'm just saying, <laughs> not real hair. Still in the shop. <laughs> Wanting answers, Daniel allows Vincent and Simon to interrogate the junkie, threatening to break his fingers with a hammer if he doesn't tell them what's going on. Now, the junkie claims not to know anything about what appears to be a cult, but reveals that he was lured to the house with the promise of crystal meth and joined other drug addicts there. Things quickly took a turn for the worse as the cultists, including Dr. Powell, watched the junkies have sex before sacrificing them in strange rituals and performing experiments on both alive and dead victims. The junkie is only alive because Vincent and Simon showed up that night, guns blazing and killing everything, cultists or not, in the process. It's then revealed that Vincent and Simon, who are father and son, went to the house to get revenge on those responsible for killing their family. Desperate to find Allison, Daniel convinces Vincent and Simon to come with him into the burnt-out section of the hospital, believing that that's where Dr. Powell has taken her. He leaves Kim with Ben and Maggie, despite her protests, and gives Ben a gun to help protect them. The three men then bring the reluctant junkie along, whom they don't entirely believe to be innocent in all this. As they travel deeper into the destroyed section of the hospital, Kim, who's been helping them navigate over the radio, loses track of where they are and eventually comes to the realization that they've managed to enter a part of the building that shouldn't technically exist. As Kim loses radio contact with Daniel, the four men enter a maze-like area with a giant triangle and other symbols etched into the floor. Meanwhile, deeper in the hospital, Allison awakens on an operating table as Dr. Powell stands over a sink, washing bloodied surgical tools and picking away at pieces of his own flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Chills. Yeah, yep. it ain't right. Powell explains that after the death of his daughter, he went searching for answers on how to transcend death and transform himself into something greater, but also to discover a way which he could bring his daughter back. He began a cult to help him achieve this and has been conducting experiments on the living and the dead for years, referencing the hospital's fire as being started by some of his unsuccessful creations, which he's kept around despite their desire to die. Listen, I've watched a lot of scary movies about people thinking they can bring their kids back to life. You can't. It never ends well. Don't fucking do it. That's my advice for you. That's some sage advice right there. Solid, so, solid mom advice. So solid. Powell, who has begun flaying the skin off himself, then removes the sheet covering Allison, whose stomach has become engorged with something moving around violently inside oh, her. Oh, that's so gross. That scene is so gross. Is. I hate when shit's like inside your body. It should not be there. Yeah. Even baby humans. <laughs> Get him out. It ain't right. <laughs> Daniel, Vincent, and Simon continue their search and come upon a room filled with mutilated corpses who've been experimented on in various states of decay. When Vincent begins to have visions of his dead wife, the corpses come to life and begin attacking them. After briefly fighting them off, Vincent sees his wife holding their baby run through a doorway and chase after them with Simon close behind. 
Daniel and the junkie flee in a different direction, but a creature grabs the junkie and bashes his head repeatedly into the floor, killing him and allowing Daniel to escape. Did you guys have a favorite abomination in this room? We saw uh, we saw a couple different ones. Um, not in this room in particular. I have my favorite like creature of the movie, but we haven't. It's not here yeah, yet. I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, yeah, I know what one you're talking about. In in this room specifically, I I really liked the one that was like bashing its face into the pole and had like the hollowed out section of its face. Yeah, I liked that one too. Yeah, that when it turns when it turns to look at them and then you get the camera it. shot from behind, yeah. like through the hole. That yeah, was such a good freaky. shot. Back in the hospital, Maggie begins to experience severe pain again, and Kim comes to the realization that she needs to perform a C-section on her, lest they both die. Yeah, Lord, she goes for the belly button. Yeah. That ain't where you cut. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? That is I don't not know what you're saying. Where the baby comes out. That's all I'm saying. That's not where the baby is? Don't cut in the belly button. Don't cut the button. Don't cut the button. Huh. I thought you I just gotta like call pushed someone it. Real quick. <laughs> you push it and yeah. the baby push comes out. Push the button and the baby <laughs> pops out. Yeah. Yep. That's why it's a button. Is it coming out the butt? <laughs> Where'd you come from, Max? <laughs> I was a C-section. The eyes. <laughs> my my head got stuck. They couldn't get me out. Cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Kim tries to make the first incision, but panics and tells Ben that she can't do it. As Ben pleads for Kim to do the surgery, Maggie slits his throat, revealing that she's not only a part of the cult, but she's carrying Dr. Powell's new child. As cultists begin to invade the hospital, Kim hides herself in a cabinet. This was This was a fun little twist. This was. I liked it. You know, it was, I, it was um, surprising for sure. I only, didn't see it coming. I had only seen this movie once outside of the, the time we saw it at the Grand. And I had forgotten about this part of the film. I, I was trying to remember. And when I was watching this, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, Allison's, Allison's got the, the new kid inside of her. Because, like, you know, the stuff moving around yeah. in her belly. And then, yeah, we get to this part. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. That's where the baby really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Simon follows his father through the tunnels, which inexplicably begin to turn into their home. He finds his father grieving over his dead wife and infant child, and then turns to attack Simon, asking over and over why he didn't protect them. The illusion disappears, and Vincent recollects himself. Daniel eventually comes across the room where Allison is being kept, and finds her alone, still laying on the operating table, pregnant. He caresses her stomach and kisses her as, he, as she tells him to stay with her. Suddenly, this illusion disappears, and Daniel finds himself standing over an Allison whose stomach has exploded outward with tentacles. This is a cool scene, too. It's short, mm-hmm. but like, fuck, there's a lot going on in this room when it like changes. Yeah, it's a, like, I mean, it starts with him holding her hands uh, like he was in, in his vision. Mm-hmm. And then as, he, as, it, it's, as the reality sort of sets in, uh, the hand that he's holding is like turned to ash. And then the, it pulls away to the wide shot of the camera and you see him standing next to next to her there on the table. And she's just unrecognizable at this point. It's just like tentacles, like shooting out like cables all over this room. Yeah. It's like cool. latching onto the walls and stuff. It's a really cool shot. It is. An unseen Dr. Powell tells him that he was able to give her what she always wanted to be a mother. Daniel then takes his ax and continuously chops away at Allison's remains. Making his way into a large room with an illuminated triangle on the wall, Daniel is lectured by Dr. Powell about his experiments and his knowledge of life and death. He offers Daniel to be allowed to join his cult and tells him he can bring his child back too if he's willing to die first. 
When he refuses, Maggie appears and shoves a knife into his back. As Daniel collapses, a skinless, inhuman Dr. Powell reveals and explains that he has found a way to bring his own daughter back. Powell asks Maggie if she's ready and then kneels in front of a triangle, reciting an incantation. The triangle opens, revealing a blinding bright void of light. Ah. A void of void. light. I see what you did there. Hey, yeah, see that? So dumb. As Maggie convulses and screams in horror, a large twisted creature, which Powell calls his daughter, emerges from her torso. Vincent and Simon appear and the creature chases after them. Eventually, Vincent is caught and in, as it begins to force its tentacles into his body, he covers himself in the monster inflammable liquid. I think it was like rubbing alcohol or something yeah. that they had grabbed from yeah, the supply yeah, closet had, mm-hmm. and calls for Simon to set them ablaze with a flare. After some hesitation, Simon does so and then flees. Still alive, Daniel crawls to Powell, who grabs him by the throat as he tries to resist. Now Powell attempts to once again convince Daniel to join him and promises he can be with Allison again. Daniel then grabs hold of Powell's arms and forces them both through the void of light, and they disappear. As the place begins to rumble and collapse, Simon continues to flee the now-charred creature. As a hallway he's running through begins to close in around them, Simon barely escapes as the monster gets crushed and he somehow finds himself back at the hospital's entrance. Finding Kim still in the cabinet, the two exit the hospital as dawn begins. This is the creature I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This is a good creature. This was a really good creature. This creature is fucked up. What was the movie that we watched um, with the one that Max thought was a, what did you think? It was a pig oh, and it was, was actually a, a cow. Heat. Yeah, Dead Heat. You yeah. know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay, so no, this. It was, a, it was a really, really big chicken. Yeah, he thought, yeah, he thought it, it was wasn't. a big chicken. It was a cow. <laughs> um, this thing was similar to that. Yeah. But like larger, fucked up, mm-hmm. broke ass Skull face. I don't even know what was going on yeah. with it, but the way that it moved, like it had really big hind shoulders on its front, and then like these kind of like smaller it leg things reminded on its back. Me it was, a little bit of like uh, Barrington from yes, Annihilation. Yes, yes, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it uh, definitely had that similar movement to it. Uh, so when that creature was revealed after it burst forth from Maggie uh, and kind of stands there looming over and. Uh, comes around the table it's kind of turned on its side and these cultists that are like with them are laying on the ground yeah, and it's like squishing its head yeah this thing like has like upturned like knuckles so it's kind of walking this on thing's its knuckles gnar, yeah and it just like slams onto one of the cultists head and you just see the splatter Blow and, like, up, yeah. come out through it Love it's it. cool man and yeah so the way this thing moves is menacing and when you actually get a good look at it too uh after simon and vincent come in and shoot it and kind of distract it and pull it pull it away from the room where Daniel is. Uh, it comes out there and it's this massive creature. And then just a tiny little head, a tiny little skull head, which I guess makes sense since it's, uh, you know, Dr. Powell's child that was just birthed. So it's, you know, makes sense that it's got this tiny little head. I dug it. I don't even give a shit. Oh yeah. It was no, it was, cool. it was, you know, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Who wins the void, the void monster or the thing? Ooh, uh, probably the thing. Because the thing can adapt and sort of, you know, take over other, other beings. This, yeah, this, this is thing like, just kind of consumes just, you. Yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't take over other, other things. At least we don't see that. Mm. I think Beverly's the only one that really like has a transformation there. You're not gonna like it, Max. I've never seen the thing. 
stop this recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really you, haven't. You really haven't? I've never really? seen it. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, wow. Next month, maybe. Well, I was going to. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, but we're watching it together. <laughs> okay. My Deal. goodness. Okay. I've told you this before, but I think it was too scarring think, for you to remember. He, tuned it. he yeah. like tuned it out. It was too traumatic. It was too traumatic. <laughs> so the film, uh, the film that we're watching now, The Void, ends <laughs> in a desolate and dark landscape that Daniel had towards the start of the film uh, seen in his visions. He stands there holding hands with Allison as the two gaze upwards at a massive floating black pyramid. Roll credits. Very similar ending to uh, The Beyond. Yeah. yeah, the one—the one that we just yeah, watched yeah, when they get stuck right, in yeah. the stuck in the desolate landscape of the painting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That has a little bit of a cosmic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, thoughts, likes, yeah, let's dislikes. Get into it. Let's uh, let's start digging into it. Uh, Kristen, you hadn't seen this film yet, so let's start with you. What were what were some of your likes? Yeah, um, I mean, my likes were I thought I mean I thought that the practical effects were cool. Um, we've seen some practical effects that were not great. And these mm-hmm. were not that I really appreciated, um, some of the originality in the creatures and, uh, like the story was fine. Um, I was like down with the characters, you know, like I was like, they're, they're pretty cool. Um, but then the, I think, I think my biggest dislike was just the ending mm-hmm. really didn't like it. Yeah. I felt like, you know, uh, it's interesting because I didn't know that this was a, a crowdfunded project before. Uh, so now some of the things that I had in my dislikes, the the writing and the acting sort of makes sense. Like hearing, you know, what the budget was, how small that budget was. Uh, it makes a little more sense. Like it's obvious that they put a lot of money towards yeah, they blew it on the critters <laughs> towards the critters. Well, and that dude's fucking makeup at the end. Like we didn't, mm-hmm. we really did not touch on that. He was, yeah, I guess he we, fucking looked the, cool. The skinless doctor. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. like legit dude. Yeah. Uh, if you've, so because this movie has come out now, it kind of reminded me, I've seen the trailer for it. I haven't watched uh psycho Gorman yet. Have you guys seen like the trailers or anything Mm-mm. for that? Have not. No, no, it's a shutter. It's on shutter. Uh, if you get a chance, go watch it. I hear, I hear great things about it and I'm probably going to be watching it pretty soon. Uh, but watching the trailer, it, Dr. Powell kind of had the same look as the, the character in psycho Gorman. Uh, yeah. So obviously they put a lot of money towards the practical effects. Um, and you know, with, with how good they were too, with that kind of a budget, you know, it's, they had to have had like some kind of like a favor, done for him too like somebody did it at a greatly reduced rate because the quality of the effects were just phenomenal that's my biggest like i mean practical effects mm-hmm. visually like just enthralling to watch yeah um you know and and you're right with with the skinless doctor guy like that kind of had some like hellraiser vibes yeah but then mm-hmm. like the the tentacle monster definitely you know the thing or the blob. Mm-hmm. Um, but just some great. And, and then then also the cosmic part. A little bit event horizon. Yeah. Uh, feeling in there. Uh, just I, I dig the vibe on this movie. Yeah. So I, we keep, you know, we keep going back to the practical effects and everything. But the, another thing that I want to touch on, too, that I thought was really great was the set design as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the scenes in the burned out section of the hospital, like when they're going through the hallways 
and stuff like that. Some of those, some of those hallways, like the look of them was, you know, it, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. The, the art department in this film, just huge round of applause, standing well, ovation. <laughs> even that last room they're in with the, with the triangle, uh-huh. like I, I know, you know, it's just kind of a dark room, but it's set so nicely with, with the, the guys in the white cloaks that really contrast. And then that actual, that triangle is a practical effect that, that like yeah. moved out of the wall, you know, mm-hmm. very, very cool. Yeah. I had actually, uh, when I was, uh, you guys can see on Instagram, like what, what pictures we selected for the screenshots, but there were so many, so many good ones that I had picked out for this film. Like, uh, the scene with Allison in the, in the room there with the tentacles coming yeah, out of that's her. That's a good one. That's one that we, uh, that we picked for it. And yeah, there were just so many to choose from. Like yeah. was, this film was, this film looked great. Uh, so we, we all kind of touched on Max. Did you touch on any dislikes that you had about it? Um, you know, some of the cast members leave something a little bit to be desired. Yeah. Um, with some of their, their performances, but not really. No, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to remember why I didn't care for it the first time I saw it. Um, and I, I was sure that like, it was just too slow for me, but it gets, going right away um it it gets like you know you see the you see a creature within the first what 30 40 minutes yeah um and yeah the the that that big ass fucking i don't know kind of cow skull monster gorilla thing at the end is just so impressive mm-hmm. so impressive i i I wish I knew how many people it took to like move that thing around. I know. I kind of want to like go through and like look at some, try and find some like behind the scenes kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. See, see how much we can find. Cause like I said before, I had no idea that this was a crowdfunded project and now I'm just even more interested to like go back and see what I can find about it. All right, Kristen, it's about that time. This is my favorite time. <laughs> it's a really good time. And in this movie, people died. So that's like always a win. You know what I'm saying? Death, death, death. Kill, kill, kill. Oh my God. Okay. So total deaths in this movie, because I'm not counting any of the cult people. It was too many. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. They, it's fine. And we can count the doctor or not count the doctor because technically I guess he died, but I didn't count him because he's walking around. Yeah. Unfleshed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, cool. Um, so total, 10 deaths. 10 deaths. <laughs> 10 deaths. 10 deaths total. I feel like that's one of our higher numbers. Uh, that is. Sure. At least I think recently. There's, there's only a couple times that we've cracked double digits, I believe. Yeah. But that's because we don't count some stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when we were watching well, Dead Heat and all those, all those cops die in the beginning, we're yeah. not counting those. <laughs> that's too much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then like Night of the Living Dead, everyone was dead. We don't count that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These these yeah. these rules are important. Anyways, let's get into it. Max, favorite kill. Uh favorite or yeah, favorite kill was was the bear monster gorilla thing and the father when he gets lit on fire. Yeah, with the uh, tentacles through the chest. Yes. And then lit on fire. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. I'm with you, I'm tracking. Derek, what do you got? <laughs> Oh, for me. Oh, man. Do you want a rundown of all 10? That one was really cool. 
Uh, <laughs> give it to you. I think. Yeah, go ahead and give give the rundown okay. just for for the These listeners are my, too. My super short notes. Burned alive, scissors to the eye, face cut, bullet to the head, monster fingers through the eyes, face smash, upside down critter, slit throat, old man, which is the doctor. I don't know if we're counting him. Octopus mom baby, pregnant chick baby explosion, squid chest, and burned alive. Cop pushed through void. Those are all the kills. <laughs> which one's your favorite, Derek? I'm going to go with uh, with Mitchell's kill from the mutated Beverly. That's a that good one, one. The tentacles through the eyes and in the mouth. That mm. was that was that would just be such a traumatic thing, like to have that happen. Yeah. Like, imagine imagine, very good. imagine that being literally the last thing that you see before it it puts its tentacles through your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kristen, what about you? I. Oh, I mean, the burned alive one always gets me because fuck, no one wants to die that way. Horrifying. Um, I also really appreciated the scissors to the eye. <clears throat> Rough. Um, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the pre- pregnant chick baby explosion. I'm going with Maggie. That would suck if you thought you were having a baby that was maybe normal and then and then that thing comes out. Of yeah. <laughs> That was fucked up. That's yeah. my favorite kill. It kind of drags her away too, but I'm like, man, how much of her was left after that thing? Nothing burst out. Nothing yeah. was left. And, yeah, the squibs <laughs> on it, it. They're so violent. Don't say squibs. That's what they're called. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For the new people in the room, after we talk about these films, we got to give them a rating. And on this podcast, we use the scream scale. For the uninitiated, the Scream Scale is a scientifically perfected system where we award the films that we watch a number of screams from 1 to 10. So, without further ado, Kristen, how many screams are you giving The Void? One for sure. Baseline one for the the Naked Ladies. For the Naked Ladies. Shout out to the Naked Ladies, you my homies. Um, And then, like, I don't know, I didn't hate it, I didn't love it. I feel like it was, you know, somewhere in the middle. I'm going to give it slightly more than the middle because the naked lady's six. Six screams total. Six screams from Kristen. Very nice. How about you, Max? Well, again, I I love that I was able to revisit this and appreciate it a lot more than when I first saw it. Um, it, It checks a lot of boxes for me. Practical effects all in one place. Eye gouging, uh, eye gouging, um, cosmic stuff, cults, cops with shotguns. I'm gonna give it a eight point eight nine. He's giving it an eight. You all heard it here. <laughs> and right. I really want to find this uh, physical copy of this movie and, and own it. Yeah. So. I was a little nervous going back to rewatch this one. I remember the great feeling that I had leaving the theater the night that we saw it and walking through the dimly lit grand cinema lobby surrounded by people dressed as the robed figures from the movie. It was awesome and immersive and a great way to cap off seeing a film like this. And now that I've had a chance to rewatch it without the spectacle exit, I'd say that it still holds up pretty well. The acting and writing is a bit shaky through most of it, but with a film like this, you're getting more out of other areas like the set design and practical effects that are used to really set the dark, ominous tones of this film. Uh, I'm really glad that I picked this one for my July pick, so I'm going to give it seven screams. 
Well, folks, we're cresting the hill in the summer of Screams, and as we enter the back half of it, I'm very excited to see what we've got lined up on the podcast. We just picked our August lineup last week. We've got some great plans for September, and right after that is the month that all podcasts like ours and our listeners are surely looking forward to. October is going to be a big, big month that you won't want to miss out on. We can't wait to share all of it with you, but we've still got a slew of great films to watch before then, and we're starting off by knocking another film off our 100 list in 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, a film that I haven't seen before and I'm very excited to experience. What about you guys? I haven't seen it either. I have seen this multiple times. It's a wonderful 70s film. Uh, really good Donald Sutherland mustache action in this movie. It's got, it's got Jeff Goldblum. You and, know what I'm saying? Yeah, one of his Does like, it? earliest... What? earliest roles yeah oh yeah. my gosh i'm excited to watch this one now uh what did you now i know that this is a remake of like uh 1958 1958 mm-hmm. okay uh have you had you seen the 1958 one first or did you see this one first i think i was shown the 1958 there's a 2007 one with daniel craig and nicole kidman wow um, look the, out the 78 one i think is considered the best of the three it's got a good cast. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, I, I do believe I've seen the black and white 1958 and I've seen the 2007, but only okay. once I think. Well, we'll have to see for ourselves. Uh, so next week's film invasion of the body snatchers. If you want to know what other films are coming down the line to chime in about them or ask us a question or anything else, really let us know on Twitter or Instagram at scream team pod is the name as well as on Facebook. Now, Scream Team, you know by now that I'll never stop gushing about all the great shows we carry here on the Chatter Network. And if you want to know what kind of shows I'm talking about, go to thechatternetwork.com right now. Once there, you'll find a full list of the shows in the Chatter family and where to find them if you don't already have a preferred home for your pods. Our show comes out every Friday, so check out what Chatter shows come out on the other days of the week while you wait for ours. And lastly, we love you all so much and appreciate the support we've had so far, but we want to keep growing. And the best way for us to do that is to have you guys subscribe to the show, rate it and share it with your friends. For a small show on a growing network like ours, word of mouth is the best kind of advertising we can have because it means that you're enjoying what we do so much that you have to tell the people in your life that they should be enjoying it too. Hashtag spread the screams. Well, thank you both so much for being such awesome co-hosts as always. And remember, if you find a stranger stumbling out in the middle of the woods, just drive the extra 20 minutes to the hospital that's not being used to house horrific abominations and open up portals to the void. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Silver Screams podcast. Once again, I'm Derek. I'm Kristen. And I'm Max. And we'll catch you next time. Stay spooky, Scream Team. Scream Team.